source your home for non-purring kittens. Uh, my name is Nathan, your most sweaty host. My name is Andy, the most against non-purring kittens. What's the point? I'm Pat. I'm clearly the most stylish of your hosts. Mando. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, we had so much fun talking to each other. This is actually sort of a double episode, but... I think we were already just not talk about Trump for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we're going to talk about exactly the opposite. I don't know if we have new things for our week, but if anyone has something else they want to talk about from their week, be happy to uh, see how you're doing since the last time that we talked, which was so, we never stopped talking. I'm mostly just still dealing with job stuff, so I don't really yeah. I'm good. <laughs> well, it has, it has sucked uh, being down with the toothache because I've been... All, driving almost non-existently for like the last two weeks so i'm gonna have to like drive my ass off uh for the next couple of weeks yeah Yeah. so i've been doing bible study with my church group we're going through revelations and that's fun revelations is fun so there's this crazy description of the son of man like right at the beginning and i was asking about like the symbolism behind they they've got like you know eyes like glowing fire and feet of burnished bronze and a double edged sword sticking out of his mouth like all this crazy description but then that also links to letters to these individual churches in asia And each of the description, they'll say a part of the description at the beginning of the letter, like this is coming to you from the Son of Man who's got the double-edged sword sticking out of his mouth. And like the question is, like, how does that symbolism line up to the point that gets made in the letters? And they all kind of line up. So it's kind of like that subtext thing, just like reading symbols out of the book that I find really fascinating and really cool. Man, that is cool. I studied the, like, I am not Christian and do not claim to be in any way, but I've read the Bible a couple of times. I have a new international, I have a King James and everything. If nothing else, historically, it's an important book. Absolutely. And I, like, it's I've like always the said, important book. I'm, I'm all about people of faith. I think that is an important thing. It's not something that I think everybody needs to have, but I think it's something to be lauded. And I think generally people of faith tend to be better people than they would have been had they not had that faith. Mm. Uh, okay. Crusades, <laughs> we'll go cru- with that. Crusades aside. <laughs> I think this sounds like a great other episode. Yeah, we, because, could, we could totally talk about religion. Ooh, sometimes. I have some cool. thoughts. Um, but, but the other little thing, if we want to talk about one more thing before we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we get in the episode, is uh, we were talking about this a little bit offline, but my wife just sent me an article that Rush Limbaugh has just uh, announced that he has advanced lung cancer. Oh, and I was just bad. saying, like, I have such mixed feelings about that. Like, was he, he a smoker? I don't know. Probably anybody, he might have, he might have been a smoker at some point. I have listened to a ton of Rush Limbaugh because I love to listen to now there are podcasts everywhere, and I have always loved to listen to talk. Uh, on the radio, and there was a time where I either my tape deck or CD player or aux cable or whatever didn't work, and so I would listen to the radio a lot. And I will be Anthony. To... Were you ever a fan? Uh, 
Well, I wasn't normally <laughs> up for Opie and Anthony, but <laughs> before they got taken off, and then I guess they went over to Sirius, Sirius yeah. after that. They did some funny stuff. They, they got in trouble for uh, encouraging someone to have sex in a church. It was part of a contest they were doing, and apparently that was the thing that that's they did. A, that's, that a line. The line. <laughs> that's a line. That's a line. That was maybe not even the worst thing they did. Whip them out Wednesdays. That was not a problem, but... Did you remember everybody had the wow opening oh, Anthony? Oh, sure. People, yeah. I'll still find people with the wow sticker. Wow. Anyway, I honestly don't even know what you're talking about. Radio show from, like, the 90s? So it be, it's fine. It it's came, okay. It I don't came, need to. And no, it became popular when... Um, oh, who's the king of radio? Uh... Oh, Stern. Uh, Stern. Howard, Howard Stern. Stern. When that whole shock jock thing came out, they were one of the, like, pretenders to the throne. <laughs> that okay. Oh, was... and they were maybe more extreme than Howard. Oh, yeah, but they were I mean, Howard's done sure. some crazy stuff, but they, they were pushing the edge a little further. So, what I was saying is, I honestly don't know how to feel about the Rush Limbaugh thing. I mean, I wish him the best of luck. Mm. He says a lot of dumb stuff, <laughs> but... But I uh, have listened to many, many hours. So, uh, dittos to you, Rush. Kudos? No, Rush fans say dittos. He got sick after a while. Like, everyone call up like, oh, Rush, you're my favorite person in the world. I love you so much. Like, And so what he did eventually was he just said at the beginning of the episode, say dittos. And that will mean that you mean the same thing that every other person who calls in means. It's oh. also from Ghost. Uh, at one point, uh, Patrick Swayze tells Demi Moore, ditto. Instead, I love you, because that was their thing when he was alive. Mm. That's so romantic. Anyway, uh, we want well, to talk about... The Democratic pool. We spent enough time talking about the Republican side of the aisle right now. And um, <clears throat> so the idea was that we would just kind of talk through all of the different Democratic candidates, since they're caucusing today in Iowa, tonight. Sure. Um, and traditionally, worth mentioning, whoever wins that Iowa caucus has more often than not won the Democratic nomination. So we'll have a pretty, I don't want to say reliable, but statistically speaking, a, 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 a decent barometer of how the rest of the Democratic nomination is likely to play out. Now, if we talk about Iowa, the state, for a second, <laughs> they are, what, pretty independent, like pretty neutral? Or are they, like, hard Republican, hard Democrat? I I honestly don't know. Just kind of like indicative of middle America? Because that, that was my impression. Kinda, yeah. Was that um, they were like sort of the litmus test of middle America? Well, the bigger thing is that they come first. They always come first. Right. That's what, that's the real reason why they All have the New impact. Hampshire has come first the, in the past, haven't they? New Hampshire second. Mm. New Hampshire second. It's Iowa, then New Hampshire. So Why is that important? Oh, that is a whole nother conversation, I think, to have. But there's a lot of historical reasons. I mean, this Are really... there people who are not deciding their vote until <laughs> the results well, of this, Iowa come in? This will tell you one thing. So primaries, this is... every state holds its own primary elections. Yeah. It's not like the fe the national election on, you know, where it's federally, it's election day, right? Right. And for the primaries, every state does it their own way, mm -hmm. and so and they can also do it on whenever they want. And oh, so it's not it's not over the course of a day. It's it's first, and it could be like months first, right? And there are states, Iowa and New Hampshire specifically, Our that hold this thing up as a, like an important thing, and so they'll change their dates. They make sure <laughs> that they are first and second. Mm -hmm. What if what if one state says, oh, you know what, we'll just have it the year before. <laughs> no, so, yeah. Well, 
Um, there's actually like, there's, it's somehow, it's like been formalized in a legal document of some kind. I don't know what this tells us because <laughs> I haven't looked up the general election yet, but the last time, uh, there were primaries in 2016, Iowa chose Mr. Ted Cruz as a candidate. So I don't know how much we can trust their opinion. For Republicans, Iowa has been wildly inaccurate, but for Democrats, Iowa, the Iowa caucus huh. has been wildly accurate at predicting who would who will win the actual nomination. Interesting. Yeah, it is very. So the the thought here is we'll go backwards in the polls from who's left, and there's a couple candidates that are officially their candidates, and no one quite knows why. Um, they're not Vermin really supreme. They're not. No, I mean Democratic has, candidates. Has my vote. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> Democratic candidates who are not really on anybody's radar. So the first one of those is Deval Patrick. So Deval Patrick, and the list, we're using a poll from a couple days ago, and it's got a little bit of a blurb about these guys, and we can pretty much leave it at that because I don't think any of us know anything about them, and they don't matter. Oh, I love Deval Patrick. So, Deval Patrick, a former two-term governor and Bain Capital partner, declared his candidacy in mid-November, a little late to the game, but... The 63-year-old is a friend of former President Obama and seems to be casting himself as the keeper of the Yes We Can flame. Patrick has an appealing life story, rising from a tenant on Chicago's south side to become Massachusetts chief executive, and he may be hoping to find fans in neighboring New Hampshire. But his late entry and lifeless campaign continue to be a puzzle. That's from Rolling Stone. Is that a compelling story? And right, and stealing the Yes We Can mantle, like... Isn't he going to get sued by Joe Biden? Because that's like his only thing. Right. Like Joe, that's what Joe's trying to do is run back, turn back the clock. So we'll we'll, we'll get to Joe. The other one is Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett is a senator. He has not been on any of the debate stages, I think, at least since the first debate. He is tied up in the Senate dealing with the impeachment right now. So I don't really know what he's doing there. Um, Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he's, he's sort of a mystery that, to me. I feel like that's about as much as we need to say. I, I probably could Bennett have prepared. I probably could have prepared for this episode better by watching any of the Democratic debates. Well, I think I've caught like highlights. I've okay. seen all of them. I think all of them in completion, and I still couldn't tell you who that guy is. Well, so yeah, that's but the I, thing. I, th- I think that that's great prep work. That but I've, I've seen all of right. them as well. So, so for uh, what it's worth, yeah. uh, Donald Trump uh, took Iowa. Actually, by a lot. He won 51.2% of the vote. Hillary took 41.7% of the vote. But So he won okay. Iowa by a full 10 points in the general election. There you go. Right, but th- we're talking but we're not talking about, about that. primaries. No, what but I'm saying we... is we were asking oh, before yeah, yeah, yeah. how Iowa leaned. Oh, That's and how they're, they leaned. they're pretty close to down the middle. Uh, Wait, uh, nah, nah, dog. No. They're very Republican. Trump took it by 10 points. Trump won 51 to 41 uh, against Hillary. So that's a lot. That's a okay. So the next one up on it's the not list. seventy percent. No, but no state is seventy percent. Ten percent is a big, a big a margin okay. to stay on topic. <laughs> Boo! So number nine on the list here. Number nine is Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi. So uh, Tulsi Gabbard. She's um, she's a young representative in the House. She is the House member who voted present on the impeachment articles. Thus ending her campaign. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, She's also been held up as 
the candidate that Republicans are trying to groom. Uh, there's been rumors that Republicans want to run her as a third party liberal candidate to try and wreck the uh, Democratic vote. <laughs> I mean, that's a good strategy. <laughs> so she like she tends she's I don't really have anything specific against Gabby? I've got a few things. I don't know. Oh, anything about... Uh, no, I... So, economically, I, I kind of like her. She's tends towards a regulated market, but, mm -hmm. you know, not, like, government controlling everything. That's where I lean, you know? Just set the rules and then let the market do its thing. But... Oh, man, we're going to have to She's got... First of all, she's she's has in the past, and she has come back on this, and she has... She's really, she's walked it back. But about 10 years or so ago, she was pretty staunchly anti-LGBTQ rights. That's, and that's she's definitely one. kind of softened on that. But she's still, you can tell that there's still some kind of hesitancy there. That's a big issue. Ugh. That's a thorn in my side. That's a problem for I me. Can, I can get voter. over that with a lot of candidates as long as their current record shows that they're in favor. But if there's hesitancy, like... I, that, I you need to jump in hesitancy, like, but it's more like she's sort of gone from I don't support that or you know to well I guess <laughs> what ifs I guess you can do what you want because it's America but I still don't really like you yeah, kind no, of sort of feel no, screw that yeah I'm not really down with it that's a fairly big issue for me and I'll look and I'll look that up so yeah we can maybe that's a fact check fact check fact check fact check. Fact check. Fact check. Oh, it was a fact check. It seemed important to accurately portray Congresswoman Gabbard's current support or lack thereof of the gay community. And so let's go ahead and hear from her in her own words. Aloha. In my past, I said and believed things that were wrong. And worse, they were very hurtful to people in the LGBTQ community and to their loved ones. Many years ago, I apologized for my words and, more importantly, for the negative impact that they had. I sincerely repeat my apology today. I'm deeply sorry for having said them. My views have changed significantly since then, and my record in Congress over the last six years reflects what is in my heart, a strong and ongoing commitment to fighting for LGBTQ rights. For what it's worth, uh, it seems that Tulsi has had an excellent voting record on LGBTQ rights, and she has been given 100% for a voting record and has been endorsed by the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBT lobby organization in the country. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. But at any rate, she also had this like little, I'll call, call it a Twitter fight in, I guess, October. So Hillary Clinton accused... Tulsi Gabbard of yeah. being a Russian asset, and then Gabbard <laughs> came back at Clinton saying, well, she's the queen of warmongers, the embodiment of corruption, and personification of the rot that has sickened the Democratic Party, and I quote. Um, <laughs> I mean, I like Tulsi Gabbard a lot more now. For that comment, right? I do, I do really wish... That's like also a slam Hillary, dunk. Again, what the fuck, Hillary? I, as I told you guys before, I voted for her. I put, like, a yard sign in my yard... I made calls for her. Uh, I don't like Hillary that much, but I really wish she would just sit down. Like it's uh, what not the, what the flip. Like how, if she, how did you vote? If she for wants her? to shit on Trump, I'm all in favor. But like this last week, 
uh, in terms of Bernie, she like apparently was in a documentary or an interview or something and said, oh yeah, nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. Yeah, don't worry. He's your <laughs> game. So he's your front runner. What are you doing? And she and she wouldn't say at first. I think she's come back and clarified, but she wouldn't say at first whether she would support him if he got the nomination. Screw I, I, you. I think when you when you if I may interpret a little bit when you say nobody likes Bernie, you might be referring to one of two groups or both groups. One group is corporate America. <laughs> and another group is establishment politicians. And if that's where you're coming from and you say nobody likes Bernie, in your world, that could maybe be accurate. Right. That yeah. doesn't mean that I think that no. that's a great statement right. or so let's, like we, something to get we can have a We can have an episode on the Clintons at yeah. some point, but let's so, move Oh, on. boy. Gabbard's, just to kind of wrap up Gabbard, her, her big thing, her big, the, the hill that she was trying to like fight on was about it was anti-wars of regime change she was mm-hmm. against us going into other countries and toppling their governments to put in a u.s friendly government and i can totally get behind that 100 percent um and worth saying there is the best thing to do so here's so here's what this article has to say about her anti-lgbtq stuff into adulthood gabbard espoused virulently anti-lgbtq views she released an apology video saying, quote, in my past, I said and believed things that were wrong, end quote. So, you know, go check that out for yourself and, and come to your own. Th- either way, her candidacy has just been spiraling downhill and she's been fueling that fire by things like voting present on the impeachment. So what does that mean? Present Basically, it's an abstention without abstaining. She didn't abstaining. vote for or against. She voted, I'm here. Instead of yes, I or nay, she said <laughs> present. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. any, <laughs> ready to think, move on? That think, seems super bad. So, Why would you do that? Yeah, exactly, it, exactly. Because, because right. she's being she's a Russian by asset. the GOP. I'm not saying necessarily I don't have a lot of information, but if she wants to keep that support, that's an excellent way to do it. Think about, like, a Democrat now. Like, how would you possibly get the nomination... Mm-mm. By not going against Trump. Yeah. Like, that is definitely the way the party is going, anyway. So that's probably enough Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. Uh, who's, our, so, who's our next person? Next guy is someone who I actually am... I want to learn more about. I'm, I, he's caught my interest in the last debate. And um, it's Tom Steyer. Tom, ah, Tom Steyer. Yeah, so you'll love him because he's a billionaire. I actually... Uh, I, don't like him. I don't like the way he made his money, but I do think he's been doing some interesting things in the election. He's yeah. uh, before he got into the election, he started running ads about impeaching Trump before this whole thing started. Um, Tom Steyer was asked by a reporter, "Well, what are you going to do if he becomes president?" And he said, "Oh, I don't really want to be president. I just want to be in the campaign and help get my issues out." So that's mm-hmm. interesting. So he has actually also something something that I think you will like. It, it sort of endears as a, as a billionaire. It might be a little redemptive to you. He has basically made this promise to quote betray his class and help wrest political power from America's moneyed interests, which is awesome. I, that sounds great. I mean, it I've sounds heard great. That you before. gotta do it. Yeah, exactly. I don't need billionaires to come in and try and fix the problem that billionaires caused in the first place. Well, 
I mean, I think oh, I think it might it might take you a might few need billionaires. That, actually. Oh you no, might need that. The the problem we're gonna have this separate uh, this separate episode, but the problem with billionaires doing that is they change just enough to make us not complain about the fact that they're billionaires. So right. it's not great, but I think it is better that he said that than mm-hmm. if he had not said that. So yeah. So I mean, there's there's he's really interesting. He's got a lot of interesting stances. So one of the stances where that I think is really big is healthcare. Everybody, all of the Democratic candidates are have made a really big point that they want to make sure that every American is covered. If they can't afford it, they will get it. The difference, the big point of contention has been whether or not to allow private insurance to endure, or whether the government should instead just cover everything and end of story. It's just you're all on government insurance. So Steyer falls in on my side of that where I would rather leave public options. Uh, public uh, private options rather. Let's take a quick look at his website though and see what else he, what other stances he has. He's worth one point six billion dollars. Nice. Me too. I mean, I mean what? So all right, climate justice has been a big thing of his. Let's have a look. Tom Steyer says Yes. Uh, Tom's justice-centered climate plan will provide clean air and water, honor the contributions and sacrifices of workers and fossil fuel industries, and pr- prioritize justice for communities that have been treated as environmental dumping grounds for far too long. We will put people and communities before polluting corporations through a truly inclusive planning process. We will make sure Americans have all the necessary resources to support stronger, more resilient communities. That doesn't sound bad. So, I mean, as just a little footnote, I just want to go on the record as saying, I think that private for-profit health insurance is basically fraud. So, say again? Privately owned for-profit health insurance is basically fraud. So, I... I think this is definitely an episode to have about healthcare. <laughs> I, I do kind of, I do agree to a certain extent, but here's where I am it with the public option. With the hey with the spy, if the government says, look, this is what you're opted into and you can opt out in favor of a private healthcare if you want, but otherwise this is what everybody has. So I think by by inserting that everyone is covered under this and you can opt out if you want for a private option. Yeah. Sets the the bar that those private options have to beat pretty high. Right. And so by doing that, you force them to if they're going to have if they're going to compete against that, they've got to they they have to reform how they offer it. They've got to cut price way down and offer benefits and somehow make that work. And listen, private industry will find a way to make it work. They're very good at that. But they have to if they have to beat this standard, they'll have to find a way to beat that standard. I feel like private industry will find a way to screw over people. I think that's again what very if you good have at. to opt out of the government all inclusive plan in order to get that private insurance. People aren't going to do that unless it's better for them. I agree with you, but I think the part that you're maybe not saying one way or another is if you opt out, you can't opt out into nothing. You have to have something. Oh, yeah, okay, fine. So that's, fine. that's that, like, that would be a requirement. And then I absolutely, why would that, agree. And then, I mean, like, like individual, the individual mandate is a huge problem, too. Why like, would you opt out into nothing? This, this is ballooning into a whole new episode, but yeah. I, I think the individual mandate that says everybody has to have health insurance is also wrong. 
I agree. Well, like from a constitutional, you have the right to live in America as a mm-hmm. person without paying health insurance. Like health insurance is not a part of your contract as a citizen. Like, so do I? We're writing it in. Do I get to live in this country without paying for roads or public services or the military? No, you cannot use those roads. But I still have to pay for them. There's no, there's, there's no like opting out of my taxes where I don't have to pay for things that I don't agree with. Right. And, and there, there are about, things that are taxable, and I don't think that like living is one of them. So this is be, living should, and having health. We should totally have an episode about taxable this. Let's thing. let's save this for another episode. Yeah, I, I feel like this stuff. is ballooning into a terrible. Yeah. No, I think it's a great. I think that would be a very great episode. But but let's stay on top. So on topic. So so Tom Steiner. He's an interesting sort of dark horse. I don't think he really has a, a shot at winning. I will but say, he's and very you, interesting. And you mentioned it. I thought one thing, at least the reason that he said he got into it in the first place, was to make sure that environmentalism was at the mm-hmm. like forefront of the uh, discussions. And I think that's yeah. great. Him and I think John Delaney, they were like that was their thing. Environment's bad, must <laughs> fix. Like, <laughs> be, yeah, be more good. <laughs> so, uh, in front of Tom Steyer is one of my personal favorites in the race right now, Andrew Yang. Oh, I love Hashtag me some Andrew Yang. Yang. So, uh, Dave Chappelle was actually um, calling people, he was called phone oh, yeah. banking, calling people for Andrew Yang. I'm, I'm totally Yang Gang. I don't know that that's going to, like, make me vote, because I don't think I'll vote in the Democratic primary. Um, but I am a huge fan. I, I might even like volunteer or donate or something because that's how strongly I feel about Yang. It's awesome. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same place. I'm really, there's a few candidates in this democratic race race who I like, I would get excited about. Um, and Yang is, is at, right at the top of that list for me. And part of the reason actually is I have maybe a different, um, Coming at it from a different angle, but I'm so big on the what he calls the freedom dividend. Um, yeah, UBI. UBI. The UBI. Universal, is, for those who have not heard of it yes. before, universal basic income is what we're talking about. Yeah, so the basic premise here is, what he says is basically, I'm giving you $1,000 a month, right? And so Yang, um, this, this policy, now a lot of conservatives really kind of rear up at this policy because they say, well, holy cow, is that basically just hardcore, like, why don't we just become communist at that point, right, to them? It's um, definitely a, an entitlement, and it's a new entitlement. So, but here's the here's the way I look at it. I would consider, I think that by instituting two, this is going to be on my platform when I run for president, um, I think there's two uh, social social safety net policies that can eliminate the need for all the others or, or almost all the others. And that is healthcare for all who want it, right? Medicaid, for the, the universal healthcare. Hell yeah. Um, with, with an opt out, I, I believe, but I'll still take it without and a universal basic income because what that does is that is the cr- greatest amount of freedom for the greatest number of Americans. You know, not, you do not need to worry about your health. You will be covered. You can go to the doctor if you are sick and you are going to be able to pay rent and make ends meet because you have that basic money coming in. Now, if you want to have more than, you know, ramen and frozen veggies, go get a job. But also, you're not t- locked into a job that 
generates money. You don't have to become a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer to, in order to make decent money. And Yang you, is, ha- you can go work at a coffee shop or you could go just be an artist and that income would be enough to support whatever your lifestyle and is. And maybe save for retirement. Maybe. Like, and, and, and hope to like take all, a vacation. All kinds of stuff. And Yang has pointed this out, but it also gives a value to people who stay home with their kids, for example. Big time. Like there, there's a number of things that are vital for our society to exist that we don't put a monetary value on, and this would help with that. The re- one of the reasons I love Yang is much like Tom Steyer talked about uh, the environment, which I think is important. I straight up have nightmares about automation. I think it is going to be a huge problem for us going forward. So automation meaning robots taking over manufacturing jobs. Yeah, why are you you oh, don't I think that's like that? Lovely. I, I think that's great. I'm oh, it's, I'm very for it. Absolutely. It's great as long as rich people don't own those robots because if they do, so for example, Stephen Hawking predicted somewhere around a 60 to 70% unemployment rate because of automation. And so if you include a UBI, I think that makes sense. You can also pay for that UBI by taxing the work of automation. Right. I'm, I'm what it's going to take is it's going to take these mega, mega, mega billionaires and make them more and more and more and more rich. It's going to make the uh, diversity uh, or the, the difference in uh, equality impossibly huge. Sure. I agree with all that, and I think that there are steps that we can take that we shouldn't have that as a future. I think we need to be proactive in forming a future that is not that. Absolutely, I'm on board with that. So I don't think that the low employment is inherently a bad thing. I think the effects of that could be bad. I think we could have a philosophical renaissance. We could have... People who were uh, janitors now are studying theoretical physics. Hell we yeah. have mm-hmm. like you know uh, all these people studying philosophy and physics and chemistry and biology, or you know working on getting the job that they really wanted that they got sidetracked in life because of doing something else to, to do. And you can go out to like Cyber Walmart or whatever the thing is and get your one hour delivery of your fifteen cent T shirt. Right. Or you can go to somebody in your neighborhood who you know who makes homemade clothing, go spend $15 on a shirt. Well, but, but more importantly, the, the problem that I have with UBI, the problem that I see, politically, going forward, the person... Once we've established that a UBI is okay, and that it's politically solvent, that it's something that we can, as a country, do, what is to stop the person from gaining power who does nothing else good except promises a dollar more for the UBI than the next guy. And I don't want to cite sources because I'm a little shaky on the source for this, but let's say hypothetically that Alaska had some form of a UBI and they had an election and the new person who came in promised to just give a little bit more of a UBI than the last person, but it was unsustainable. And it was, you know, they promised more than they could actually give. And then when that person got into office, they really just embezzled 
that's my hypothetical story because I don't have the source to back that up. What I'm saying is I can throw in a fact check here. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's great. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. And welcome back to Fact Check. Alaska's permanent fund dividend, PFD, was masterminded by Governor Jay Hammond, who envisioned, quote, oil wells pumping money for infinity by paying each resident between $1 and $2,000 a year. Every Alaskan gets the same amount, and the thought was if every Alaskan were a stakeholder, no politician could take it apart without losing an election. In 2015, when oil prices plummeted, citizens received a check for around $1,000, about half of what they were used to, so that the state could continue funding state services and keep the PFD sustainable. This did not go over well with citizens. These cuts were made by then-Governor Bill Walker and were also needed for 2016 and 2017. In 2018, Senator Mike Dunleavy ran on a platform of increasing the PFD and giving every resident $6,700 to make up for the smaller check from the previous years. Dunleavy didn't give specifics about how he would pay for this increase, but people like money, so he won in the landslide. Dunleavy has now cut many state-run services, including a ferry service in a part of Alaska that has no other way to get groceries and other vital supplies. The citizens of Alaska feel lied to, mostly because of how he lied to them. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. So, um, so, so, I mean, isn't that problematic going into well, the future with a UBI being a possibility that politically that that's now the only standard? Can I just say really quick, um, Kyrgyzat has a great video about this on YouTube and that is specifically one of the problems they, they uh, mention in the future in terms of if you offer more, whether you're right or not, as a politician, it gives you this huge leg up. And so... Because the, I actually get all of my information the, from Curse <laughs> Yeah. So, but the idea being that you need to make that money reliant on something that is outside... A politician's ability to change. Well, and so that's actually so. Uh, listen, this is not about my campaign, but my my thought would be tie it as a percent to the cost of living, uh, or or you know related directly to the cost of living, right? Uh, which is calculated by independent. Uh, I think anyway, these are problems we can overcome. But, I don't yeah. think that these are intractable problems. I think that just if we are going to go the UBI route, we should be a little wise. That we should have sure. a little bit of foresight in in sidestepping these possible and, problems. And so, my thing is, I would like to have a, an episode about this, but no one talks about these issues now. That's one thing I love about Yang Gang 2020, is that yeah. he's bringing up these things to a group of people who had never thought about it before. Never thought about it. And now, the way that Bernie brought up a $15 minimum wage or Medicaid for all in the last election, now mm -hmm. everybody is talking about it. And now it's in the public consciousness in a different way than it was in the past. So, yeah, yeah there guys, are further problems with UBI, but I think that's its own episode. Well, the other thing about Nixon ran on a platform of Medicare for all yep. and UBI. So, it's not like it's a new idea. It's crazy. And the other thing I love about Andrew Yang to close this out is. That Dave Chappelle and Andrew Yang did a video where uh, Dave Chappelle comes forward and says, I'm Chris Tucker. And Andrew Yang says, yeah, and I'm Jackie Chan. And 
It is awesome. And then they go into why you should vote for Andrew that's, Yang. That's very funny. That's awesome. So he's just, he's got a good, he's got a good uh, head on his shoulders. He seems real in the same way that like Obama was real. So, I mean, I want to stay on it on Yang just for a second because like I, <laughs> I really believe in Yang and I feel like he would make the right, like scientifically based decisions that form really good, knowledgeable policy. I think that he would appoint people and have people in his cabinet around him who are really smart. We should have smart people mm-hmm. who respect science and respect yes. math making decisions. The problem is that he's not polling well enough yet. That I mean, that's a problem that we could work on, that we could try so, to fix. Right. Listen, uh, whatever happens tonight in Iowa could change everything. Because what's going right. to happen is they they do this caucus. Are you familiar with the Iowa caucus and how it works? It's not a vote. Not enough. Not, so it's not, not well a, enough. It's not a vote. It's really, really interesting. So they literally physically go to a place, like a, a high school gym or something, mm-hmm. and there are corners in the room that are like, okay, this is the Amy Klobuchar corner yeah. and the Elizabeth Warren, and the, and the people go and stand in the area for who they want to caucus for. Right, so then they go around and they what? total it up. And if any of those candidates have less than fifteen percent, they are deemed unviable. And they're so not removed from the move, campaign, but they're move removed around. from the caucus. Those people have to go re-vote a second time. I mean, this is kind of like what we were talking about with multi-tiered mm-hmm. voting. This is—it's yeah. a yeah. similar. It's weird. So what might what could that easily happen cool. is if, say, Yang is a lot of people's second choice. And it could say, bump him up. Let's say Buttigieg and Klobuchar and uh, who was the one before Gabbard. Gabbard. They all only get like le- they all get less than fifteen percent. But all of those people's second choice is Yang, and they all yeah. go to him next. Yeah, that's possible. He could win. The that's possible. So the, the other momentum. thing, if I can say about viability of candidates, and the thing that already makes me. So over the moon excited about Yang is that I was like, I went to these super rallies that Ralph Nader ran <laughs> in 2000, like 1996, 2000 was the big one. And it was huge. He would fill up, like he filled up, uh, I forget where the Celtics play, but like when I lived in Boston, he filled up the stadium the Celtics played at. Like that's huge. And people were really excited about him. He, he couldn't break any amount of the vote. He he didn't have a reasonable yeah. percentage. He was never in any of the debates. You never saw him on anything unless you specifically like sought him out. Yang is on these debate stages. He missed the last debate, but he's qualified right. for the next one. That's good. Yeah. That's super uh, good. And yeah. he's raising a lot of money. He raised yeah. $16.5 million in the fourth quarter. Amazing. Of last year. So, just tremendous. It's not, he's, it's not putting him ahead, but it's keeping him alive. And so then anyway, white quarter, no timeouts. I think right. I think we can all Four say I think we'd all say to a certain extent, uh, beat a dead source is Yang Gang twenty twenty. Sounds like it. We're all pretty on board with I'm Yang. I'm a big Gang. Chris Tucker fan. I'm I'm um so but he's so, not so my only for, one. for my vote though, my vote is still up in the air. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm definitely voting for Yang, but he definitely has my support. If I was voting in the Democratic primary, he would be one of my final choices. I am not ready to say who I would pick. But I'm also not voting in the Democratic primary because I am not a member of the Democratic Party. That didn't stop you. I voted in the Republican primary one year. Don't you have to, like, declare? Yeah. Yeah, see, I've declared a different party. I know I did, and then I voted Democrat in the general. 
Oh, maybe. All right. Maybe I'll check that. Double check that. that. It was, it was um, slimy. It was not a good thing to do. No, no. It's yeah. Fine. I, it's fine. It's, I, I'm, I was just going to anyway. point out that that is a little, a little, uh, unsavory. Oh, so, yeah. All good, but mm. we still do have six more candidates. And these Plans are really the, the, the legitimate mm. contenders. The, all, this is now where we're into people who have a shot. Let's do um, it. So the, so after Yang. Well, <laughs> okay, but yeah, the, no, based on the polling numbers right now, these are the people who are at, at around the top. Let's let's. And do so it. the bottom yes. of the top here is Amy Klobuchar. So she's a senator. She's from uh, senator from Minnesota, and she actually just won a co endorsement from the New York Times, um, mm. saying that they it's praised her as the standard bearer for the Democratic Center. So the New York Times sees her as really kind of that the moderate, moderate. flag bearer, yeah. Um, she's raised eleven point four million in the quarter, which less than Yang. I don't know what it is. I just, I, I so if she so gets the nomination, I'm gonna vote for her for sure. But there's just something that seems off about her every time I hear her speak, and I oh like, really I don't I don't know the first thing about her. She's a little a little bit. Kind of canned, almost, and she is rehearsed. She's overly rehearsed, I think. And she's definitely said stuff where I've gone, "Hell yeah!" Like there's stuff mm-hmm. that I that she said that I'm excited about. But man, it is. She's definitely not my primary candidate right now. Well, no, and you're a little. You're you're more left extreme, so yep. she wouldn't. She's pretty centrist. Um, she's really kind of considered sort of that next best to to Biden by a lot of people. And I've and I've mentioned this before, but like. What we consider the center in America, I think, is still pretty conservative because the Republican Party has moved the Democratic Party right for a long time. So I think what is actually liberal is probably, or what is actually center is more like an AOC or a Bernie or something. So if you want to talk about like left right drift, and of course, left right is a painfully um, reductive way of breaking down right. the political um, scene. But, you know, overall, the country drifts left. It might jolt right periodically, but the country and therefore both parties tend to just kind of drip, drift left. In fact, you might even say that they leapfrog each other, in a manner yeah, of speaking. Maybe. And so, you know, yeah, perhaps the the Democratic Party has drifted a little bit right in the last 20 to 30 years in order to gain support. They're bringing that support left with them. Well, what I will say is I think an Amy Klobuchar is incredibly important in the House, in the Senate, because moderates are what make our system work. And we can see it's broken now because mm -hmm. we don't have any moderates to move from one side to the other to negotiate, to compromise. I mean, this, this primary system itself is, is somewhat to blame oh, for, for sure. that. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. I'd be or, a little bit... Or very largely to blame for that. Yeah. Big time. 100%. And, and I agree also that, that I'd be a little bit concerned about taking any Democrats out of the Senate where we already have a minority. What if, she, what if another Democrat doesn't win her seat back? Like that's she's in Minnesota. It's a pretty red state. I would say that I think a moderate Democrat does have some advantages in the general election because there's a lot of people in the middle and the moderates who might not vote or vote for Trump or vote for a third party candidate rather than vote for an extremely progressive Democrat. 
like Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. And so Klobuchar has a chance of say, of presenting that alternative. Hey, look, you can vote for a Democrat. We're not going to turn this into a communist right. country. Right, I'm still like, going to support Roe v. Wade. I'm still going to be there on the things that matter to you. Mm -hmm. So to capture a lot of that middle, I think having a moderate gives the Democratic Party a good chance who of wants capturing that? the who, middle. Who rallies <sighs> behind that? Who gets well, excited for that? But And that's the thing. Nobody... And like this is the part of like pragmatic 3D chess part. Mm -hmm. Like me registering as a Republican... Like, that's the part I think about in terms of this. Does someone like her or really Biden is the real answer to that? I don't, I do not want Biden to be my candidate. Oh my God, but does he, Biden. but does he have a better chance to beat Trump? If that's my goal. How. Is he we'll well liked? Him. Well, we can talk about Biden in a minute. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get there. The we'll totally can, get can, there. What if, do you but what think I'm saying that a moderate like, like Klobuchar could, or, or Biden, but we're talking about Klobuchar. Right. Can they bring in a wider coalition of voters to beat out the Republicans who are going to vote Trump? And I think one of the reasons Trump won last time was because there are a bunch of independent voters there in the middle who wanted to throw that grenade into the Washington system. Those people who supported Bernie and supported Trump, not because they supported them, but because they hated the system. They could see it was broken and they wanted it to change. Mm -hmm. And they definitely got that. <laughs> not yeah, in a good way, I don't think. But they definitely got it. Maybe she would appeal to the same types of people who, like, <laughs> overcorrected last time and want a safe uh, option this time. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I would say, personally, I would love to see, you know, dream, one of my little dream scenarios here would be Yang winning the nomination and picking Klobuchar as his running mate. I think yeah. they would make a hell of a team. I think they'd be phenomenal. What about, what about Yang Birdie? So, let's keep going. <laughs> Because next up is somebody who I kind of don't really want to talk all that much about because I don't want him to even be in this race. Yeah. But yet he's number five. Is that Mickey? It's Mickey. Mickey Michael Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Oh. oh, my God. What the hell, Mike? Read the room. We don't want a boomer. We, right? So 60, People don't want another... Wait, they're uh, all boomers. A couple of things. Uh, $60 billion for Michael. One cool thing, so I, I want to try and say something nice about everybody if I can. Yeah. One nice thing that he's done is he said, if and when, because it's going to be when, he doesn't win the nomination, he will continue to pay his staff and everything to work for whoever the nominee is. Hmm. So he will throw his resources behind beating Trump. Well, that's neat. That's I think nice. that's cool. But also, he's a billionaire. He has $60 billion, and that well, doesn't represent any now, amount of wealth that, at all. Honestly, that just makes me want him to not win the nomination even more. Right. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> like, want him to win has, before, but now I really don't want him now to win. Now I want has him to... come forward with, like, a platform? Yeah, yeah. He's so And, and remember, he was also mayor of New York for well, a long time. He's a politician. Yeah. Um, where he has political experience. Or okay. Was he governor? No, he was mayor. Mayor of New York. Mayor Boomer. So his big, the way he's kind of hanging his hat on anyway is gun violence, which is kind of an odd issue to hang your hat on in this particular election. So the big problem with Michael right now is that <laughs> um, the, the Democrats, so Yang wasn't in the, the last uh, debate, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there are a number of candidates, Cory Booker had to drop out and he, he was still in it, but he wasn't able to attend the debate. And there are a number of people who weren't able to go to the debates because they didn't meet these thresholds. It's the, it's CNN debates, right? That's like CNN. No, it's the PBS, debates. and it's the DNC who oh, sets it's the, the DNC. They're the one who set the goalposts for whether you're going to get it. And normally, it's uh, whether you've hit certain marks in different polls and how much money you've been able to collect. 
DNC, just do your job right. Come on. Michael Bloomberg is going to be in the next debate. He hasn't hit his polling at all, but he does have $60 billion. Yeah. So that sucks. Well, let's not also forget that, you know, if he's running on this gun violence platform and yet he's like the face of the stop and frisk policy, the law and order kind of, he's, (laughs) he's got an uphill battle. Let's just say that. Go ahead. I guess go ahead and show up. I guess. I don't know if those are mutually exclusive. Stop and frisk. Uh, law and order, is that necessarily divergent from anti-gun? No, not necessarily, but there's... I mean, you're talking a, about different populations of people interested in those laws. To a certain extent, yeah. He's but, pro-gun He's pro gun regulation. Yeah, um, yeah, he's anti-gun, right? That's what you're mm, telling me? He's pro-gun safety and... and it's not. He's not. It's not like he wants so to get anti-gun. rid of guns. He's not trying to get rid of guns. Anyone. So basically, but, anyone who wants to put any kind of restriction on guns, it like would be defined. I'm taking the perspective of the NRA would be defined as anti-gun. Well, the NRA is going to do that. Yeah. In, in the same but, way that you would label something pro-life instead of calling it right. something worse. But you like just, that's just a labeling thing. You were yeah. just picking taking issue with conflating two similar but not the same things. So Bazinga? I don't know. Anyway, so um No, no, no. I mean, I'm just trying to find out like here, why you think that What does he believe in? Terry Stop and Frisk is, is conflicting Mike's with... gun safety policy pillars. Does he sure. call himself Five Mike on his website? Yeah, Mike. Mike uh, Bloomberg 2020. I hate you about so much, Mike, Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> I um, want him to wear like a baseball cap. <laughs> like, Mike Bloomberg sees backwards. the gun violence crisis as a true national emergency and has promised that gun safety will be a top priority as president. Here's the five pillars. More effective background checks. Keep guns out of the wrong hands. Uh, okay, okay, that's a little vague, but... Tackle daily gun violence in the hardest-hit communities. Chicago. Which means literally physically tackling gun violence. Yeah. Uh, ban assault good. weapons and protect schools. So ban assault weapons, that's already a law. Or was. Did it get pulled back? Mini Fact Check. Welcome to Mini Fact Check. The federal assault weapons ban enacted in 1994 expired in 2004. Attempts to renew this ban have failed, as have attempts to pass a new ban, such as the assault weapons ban of 2013. Seven states have assault weapons bans, three were enacted before the 1994 ban, and four more were passed before the federal ban expired. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Mini fact check. And then finally, confront the gun lobby head-on. So he wants to... Clash with... I just want to see Mike Bloomberg and Charlton Heston get in a fist fight. Charlton Heston is super dead. Is he dead? Super Did he dead. die? Oh, dang. Can we bring him back? I mean, it's binary. So I I guess I have the same problem with super <laughs> dead that I do with super unique. Yeah. Uh, it's So, yeah, he's just dead. But uh, can we bring him back? I want to see them get just lock him in the, the you know, the octagon. I love guns. So is there Sorry, a Michael person Bloomberg. is there a person that you can point out to me? Is there a, a single person who's really, really excited about Michael Bloomberg? I think a bunch really of really passionate about Demo- Boomers. So, yes. The people that I can tell you are really excited about him are rich people who donate to Democratic campaigns because there are a number of rich Democrats who hate this crop 
of uh, Democratic candidates because they're too far left. Okay, boomer. Basically. So... Rich, uh, rich people who donate to Democratic causes. All right, we'll see a Bloomberg. You guys didn't race. want to spend a lot of time on Michael Bloomberg. Let's not. Yeah. So next up is the next of my favorites. The one right up there with Yang. You want to guess? Uh, it's uh, Donald Trump. Yeah. Bernie Sanders. No. No. Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete. Pete Buttigieg. I, I recently heard someone refer to Mayor Pete as like a boomer's. A boomer's version of what a millennial looks like, or a, a boomer's ideal millennial. <laughs> yeah, and and Biden is a, a yeah, and no, Biden, no, Bernie Sanders is a is a millennial's ideal boomer. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll accept the yeah. second half of that. Yeah. So I don't know anything about Pete Buttigieg. So, so I um, tell you. So he's he's gay, which I love. Uh, it doesn't have any effect on whether I'm going to vote for him or not. No. But like, I love that there is a viable gay candidate in the election. So that's so awesome. Healthcare. He's about the Medicare for Medicaid for all who want it. He Meaning, believes in a private option. A private option, but that that private option, but that no no matter what private options are available, no American should go uninsured. And there's a weird juxtaposition with him where he is both the least wealthy candidate on the stage in these uh, in these debates, yeah. but he also has the most billionaire billionaires Don't. donating to his election. That's the whole like the wine cellar thing and whatever. You and know? that's. That's, That's fine. I do is the I don't care. Thing? Eh, there was this little. Uh, he, some of the other Democratic candidates were trying to rake him over the coals for having meeting with a bunch of wealthy Warren specifically. Warren sort of specifically. Warren fell for this. Like I think he set it up as a trap. He had a fundraiser, and I think it was like a cold room. Like all your drinks were served in like ice goblets or something like that. Like really like crazy, like crazily uh, rich people came to this party. And so she criticized him for it. And he said, yeah, but you like he, she's a millionaire and he is not. And he's the poorest person on that stage. And this is how he stays in the election, which I don't necessarily have a problem with. Like, right. is there any significance to the room being cold for his donation, or was that? No, no, no. no. It's just like fancy. That's a throwaway yeah. point. Just super yeah. fancy. Okay, sure. So fancy. You go and you. I'm guessing a lot of this stuff. There's definitely going to need to be a fact check in here, but I think I'm imagining like. Fur and you coats. can buy this code. Do you know for fifty thousand dollars? Do you know that they're like they did it in one of the Bond films, but there's like an Iceland hotel that's made completely oh, yeah. out of ice. It's totally dope. I imagine that's where it was. It definitely was not there at all. Okay. But that's what I'm picturing in my head. Fact check. Fact check. Fact check. And welcome back to fact check. Virtually nothing I said was true. Mayor Pete's event was held in the wine cave at Hall Winery in Napa Valley, California. There's no ice to be found in their wine cave, just a bunch of well-aged wine stored at optimal temperatures in the cave, an extraordinarily beautiful crystal chandelier, and occasionally several billionaires looking to donate money to the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Ex-Mayor Pete refers to this controversy as a purity test that doesn't make sense when going against Donald Trump, who already has close to $300 million in his campaign war chest. He also says that his campaign would not be corrupted if a millionaire gave him $2,800, which is the maximum amount allowed by law to donate to a campaign. The other thing I want to go over is, according to Forbes magazine, 
Michael Bloomberg is currently worth $61.7 billion. Tom Steyer is worth $1.6 billion. Elizabeth Warren is worth $12 million. Joe Biden worth $9 million. Bernie Sanders is worth $2.5 million. Andrew Yang is worth $1 million. And Pete Buttigieg is worth a paltry $100,000. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. So one other of Pete's big signature policies, if I can, just because of You don't want to talk about ice hotels more? Well... I, I was going to take it to Arrested Development, so I'm glad that you're bringing us I back I have to leave point. in 20 minutes. Let's, yeah, do let's it. bring it, it back to So, So um, one of uh, Pete's other signature policies is education. And he's talked a lot about raising teacher salaries and improving the education system. A little statement from his website, if I may. Their earning power has fallen over the past few decades. Educators of color are underrepresented, even though their work benefits all students. And early childhood educators, who are predominantly women and disproportionately women of color, earn an average, on average less than $11 per hour. When we get this right, our kids will start kindergarten ready to succeed. We will trust teachers and their expertise. Our system will nurture students' curiosity, creativity, and ingenuity, achieving better competency in math and language arts, and higher high school graduation rates. By the time they graduate, our students will be prepared to go to college if they choose. They will be equipped with the skills to start careers in well-paying jobs that fit our changing economy. So really kind of a progressive future, forward-looking view of what education needs to become in order to help our country economically move into the next age. I, I think that's great. I think that, that I have no problems with that. I think anyone who is going to try to sell me, we need to invest in our education because that's going to matter in 100 and 200 years. I believe you. And anybody who is arguing the opposite, I think is like really short-sighted. Let's spend the right amount on education. Right. Let's yeah, do he says, education honor, right honor teachers like soldiers, pay them like doctors, is what he is his little catchphrase. That would be great. Yeah. Um, so I actually have one negative about Pete before we move on, and that sure. is, and he is very religiously motivated. He wears his religion on his sleeve. I believe he's a Catholic, Roman Catholic. He's a gay Roman Catholic. Yeah. Um, it's that's a it's tough. Kind of interesting, right? Um, that's that's a really I think. tough. Is that life. correct? Do you know? I don't remember. I don't know. Um, uh, fact check. But I, yeah, fact this, check. Is a, this episode is going to be like riddled with fact oh, yeah, checks. For sure. Back check, back check, back check. And here we go again. Mayor Pete identifies as a Christian and is a member of the Episcopal Church. I was unsure of the Episcopal's position on LGBTQ rights, so here's a quote from their website. We have a legacy of inclusion, aspiring to tell and exemplify God's love for every human being. Women and men serve as bishops, priests, and deacons in our church, Lay people and clergy cooperate as leaders at all levels of our church. Leadership is a gift from God and can be expressed by all people in our church, regardless of gender, sexual identity, or orientation. We believe that God loves us all, no exceptions. Mayor Pete's faith seems to be an important part of who he is, and you can find many clips of him talking about it. But from a political standpoint, he wants to use religious language to point out the hypocrisy of the Republican Party who embraces it so fiercely. Here's a clip of him talking about it from the first Democratic debate. The Republican Party likes to cloak itself in the language of religion. Now, 
Our party doesn't talk about that as much, largely for a very good reason, which was we are committed to the separation of church and state, and we stand for people of any religion and people of no religion. But we should call out hypocrisy when we see it. And for a party that associates itself with Christianity, to say that it is okay to suggest that God would smile on the division of families at the hands of federal agents, that God would condone putting children in cages, has lost all claim to ever use religious language again. And that's it. Let's get back to the show. Back check. Back check. Back check. But he's very strong. He's outspoken about creating a religious left. A left. You know, okay. And, and I kind of have some issues with that because I am way more like, how about a no religion everybody? Not like no, <laughs> sure. no religion in I politics, let me so say. I right? Like religion should not be what's motivating your political decisions. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and I, I think with a lot of these candidates, I, I wanted to fit this in at some point. Mm-hmm. All of them, 100% would be a thousand times better than what we've got now. Even the worst of it's, these is better than Trump. Right. That's the thing. Like, all, all of my problems my with these candidates is nitpicky. I wouldn't necessarily go that far. There's several candidates here who I would really, really, really like to not have to vote for in, oh, instead Joe of Biden. Trump. The, uh, so number three on the list is, is Elizabeth Joe? Warren. Oh, ah, <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I, I love Elizabeth. Like um, I'm coming around on her to be completely honest. I had big I, issues with her, and I have started to kind of feel like I could pretty well stomach voting for her. Can you? Can you, in many. a very short uh, soundbite, say what your issues were with her? She's a little too progressive for my taste. Um, mm. She's in that kind of socialist camp with, with Bernie. She pretty much is right on par with Bernie on Demo- all Let's, on let's be clear, democratic socialism. Whatever. No, it's, um, it's very two very okay. different things. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, okay, fine. I don't really love her, like, attacks on the uber-wealthy because I don't think that she is... I don't, I know that she's smart enough to understand the situation and, and things, but I think that she is taking more political shortcuts to appeal to a base and, and not really, and, and proposing policies and changes that aren't really actually effective, but will appeal to the voters. I don't like her attempted political hit on Bernie. I, whether, mm. whether that's true or not, I mean, maybe that's a thing that happened. Maybe that's a thing that didn't happen. You know, I I respect, but the 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 timing of it and the engineering of the timing of it really made it seem like she is part of the machine that just says no Bernie, the conglomerate that is anti-Bernie. It was really hard for me to hear about that because there's a couple of things. I know for a fact that Bernie isn't a sexist. Like we we know that from. A variety of things that he's done and said over the years. There's literally a video that came out of him saying that I think a woman could be president. I'm going to yeah. call it 80s. a hit job. I, that's that's what I think it is. I yeah. think it was an attempted political but thing, assassination. But the thing is, I don't want... Like, you very well might be right. I don't want to believe that. Because I also love Elizabeth Warren. Like, I really like Elizabeth Warren. And presumably, the two of them have been friends. But this also came out at the same time that Bernie's numbers rose above Biden's. And that is Mm -hmm. when it happened. And the other shitty thing that happened, because I know you said you don't watch the debates, is he called her out. He said, I didn't say that. 
after she said that he had said it on stage. Oh, and then and then the 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 moderator said, "Okay, Bernie. So when you said that, yeah, C- CNN sucks I, for that." But the other thing that happened that was MSNBC, wasn't it? Was it? I, I think so. I was like, "That is just no, that was terrible. that was CNN. I'm sure oh, right, that was you're CNN. Right, you're right, you're right. That was but that. terrible. I was, was uh, Bernie laughed. Bernie thought it was yeah. a joke. He was like, <laughs> no, I mean, I think he laughed out of frustration. But the other yeah. thing that happened was they came so. up. Bernie reaches his hands out to to uh, shake Elizabeth's hand, and she, she says, you "Well, and she says because we were able to get a different mic later on." I think you just called me a liar on national television. And I honestly don't know how to treat this because I'm all for the believe women field. But like that's on sexual assault. It's not on you said a thing that I didn't say. And it doesn't seem appropriate to what Bernie has said in the past. So it kills me because I love it. Also, she shook his hand at the beginning of that debate. So there was a there was a well Warren transformation where she she was willing to shake his hand and then didn't because he called her a liar on stage. He said she said he said a thing that he said that he didn't say. Of all of the Democrats, say that maybe maybe because she was a liar. Or maybe not, but I maybe because she was. I don't know. So of all the Democrats in the race, and, and even f- from the beginning, like all the Democrats who have been in this race, she has, by by a pretty fair margin, been the most aggressive at attacking the other candidates. Mostly recently, so I, it's really... I personally like, won't She went after her. Buttigieg, she went after Bernie, she went. She goes after everybody. I will vote for Donald Maybe Trump. Maybe Kamala Harris. So yeah, I, I, I will. Don't do that. Warren yeah. is the second closest to me not, not one... I wouldn't vote for Trump, but I would not vote or something again. Warren's the second closest Democrat on the list that would get me... And I still think I would hold my nose and vote for her, but I really wouldn't like it, and I'd probably... I would love it. She has right. a lot of good plans. Here's the thing. She will make our country a better place. I think... And I am completely befuddled by this situation and what happened. Yeah. And I would love to see her explain herself. I don't hate most of her main focus points, like policy points. And I do think that she has a certain energy that can excite the base and might... The Democratic base, which might be enough to upset Donald Trump. I don't think that she's... I think that she's like a cross between Bernie and Hillary. It's like Bernie's policies in Hillary's hattiness. <laughs> and I don't like that. <laughs> so, so alright, let's, let's move yeah, on. Let's move on. The next one up is Joe. Uncle Joe. Uh, Joseph Rubinette Biden? I forget. Joseph Creepy, possibly rapey Biden. Uh, well, I mean, so, sniffing, no, no, no. sniffing let's, that little girl's hair on so national weird, television right? let's be clear. was not a great move. There, there, there's been zero uh, accusations right, of right, him right. assaulting anyone sexually. A million accusations of him being super creepy. And, yes. Like, touching people on their shoulders and other sort of, uh, like, inappropriate, appropriate parts so I think, I think I think that like you should be like allowed to do that since you're not committing a crime. But I think that you should probably be aware of not doing that and as a person who might run for president. I, I think it shows uh, or is a vice an, president. In, it shows an inappropriate level of tone deafness to where we are in terms of consent in our yeah. society today. And it sucks. And there's a bunch of other stuff that sucks about Joe. Yeah. Well, let's get to so, Joe's policies, because, like, I mean, I may not be that familiar with his actual policies. So, like, his big number one ticket item uh, is is a lot of foreign policy. 
He's really, really his, and and really, to be honest, his number one platform is Trump sucks. Mainly foreign policy, though, right? Is, is the thing that he's really focused on. Um. So and and in fact, here's where he starts to even sound a little bit by, like Trump. The quote right here on this Rolling Stone article is from Biden says, "I'm the most qualified person in the country to be president. I know as much about American force, foreign policy as anyone around, including maybe even Kissinger." Doesn't that sound like something well, Trump would say? Yeah, first, that, Kissinger, that is something Kissinger Trump sucks. <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, he's a lot like Trump. That's the problem. He's, he makes these gaffes that Trump oh, would make. Bumbly stuff. Calling a voter at the... There was a debate oh, or a fat. town hall. He, he said, you're a goddamn liar. That sounds like a Trump thing. Oh, and then then he also gave him the fat. Uh, oh yeah, they the challenged him to a push up push up contest. I don't know if this was the same guy, but there was there was a guy, and he's like Biden's got the microphone, and he was like asked a question, and his response to you know his consist constituent that asked him a question, he was like, "All right, listen here, fat." Oh my god. I was like, wow! Oh. I had to play the clip again because I was like, did he say that? So, he sucks, but yeah. also, <laughs> let's, let's forget about the fact that he sucks for a second. Okay. Uh, he also is from the same cloth that the Republicans have been running campaigns against since the 90s. And so they get to run the same exact goddamn campaign if we elect him. Yeah. I think just from a functional standpoint, even if you were a wonderful candidate, it doesn't make sense to elect him. No, he, I don't understand. So just to kind of wrap this one up and move on to and our Sharon said- Byrne. Um, so Burning a couple man. things off of this Rolling Stone article that I'm using. I'm really just using this as a guideline to, as a numbering system, but this is, this really caught my eye. I think we'll enjoy it. So his signature apology. I'm sorry. I didn't understand more. Biden told reporters after being rebuked by multiple women for his space invader style of politics. I think, I don't think he means the game space invader. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a good line, though. Because, good job, right. Rolling Stone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not sorry for any of my intentions. I'm not sorry for anything that I have ever done. I have never been disrespectful intentionally to a man or a woman, so that's not the reputation I've had since I was in high school, for God's sakes. Mm. That just sounds like a this Trump sounds like Trump. sounds like Trump. And then, I love this. There's a, then a link to Rolling Stone coverage on Joe Biden, the name of that article, which I agree 1,000% with. Joe Biden is not helping. <laughs> I think like, sit that's funny. Down, I, I Joe. Don't, no, I don't want Bad two. Boomer. I don't want two old white men on the debate stage, oh. both in like different uh, levels of dementia. Yeah, like we're going to be babbling nonsense at each other, right? And America won't notice because we're too dumb. All right, so number one on the list here, Bernie Sanders. Are you Bernie feeling man. the burn? Bow, 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 bow. Do you feel the burn? Uh, I felt feel the burn. I burn. felt the burn hardcore in 2016. And hated that the DNC worked against him. Mm-hmm. And the good news is that they're still doing it as well as oh, the mainstream so... <laughs> mainstream media. I mean, For like our conversation the CNN about the Elizabeth sucks. Warren thing. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, they, it would be problematic. For rich billionaires and establishment media, for Bernie to cinch this primary and to also become president of the United States, that's a problem. There was a poll out, and I do something. something There was an Iowa poll out, I think, and the options were like the top five, six candidates without Bernie, and he was in the first place. So they had other, and other had forty six percent at the top. And then everybody and then they else just omitted Bernie. Right. So people like started releasing like on Reddit and stuff. They were like, Bernie uh 
and Bernie like uh, bumper stickers and stuff. They replaced the word Sanders with other. That's pretty good. <laughs> See, like but- they're actively working against him. And he's still winning. So that's what the Iowa thing will be so I think people are so jaded at this whole process that that is going to help him. Like, I I think that's going to enormously help him. Here's the thing. I have... uh, I'm not looking forward to watching Sanders and Trump debate either. Both for, like, the just white guy babbling thing, but, like, both of them are super big on... This is my talking point. This is my talking point. I will restate my talking I will, point. I will watch Bernie do that all day. And like, and, but Bernie, it's gonna Bernie not will be like, very interesting debate. No, if you ask Bernie a question, he will think about it and he will answer it. But that's not really how the debates work super much. And we'll we'll see. Super but much. like Bernie, I think Bernie's been good in the debates. I mean, no, I, I think he's, I think he's, he's done he's, enough to keep his and, momentum going steadily up. But never, he, he's never done anything to really wow anyone. Yeah, because he's Might like hurt him. Bernie has held the same positions on issues for, for six decades. Years. He's he's six the tortoise years. from the tortoise and the hare. I saw he's him. just like I, been doing the same thing for <laughs> sixty years. I saw a picture of him from '89 in Vermont at a GBLT rally, and we've seen him get arrested uh, because he stood up for civil rights and like. This is a guy who's been, like, the things he's saying today are the same things he's believed his entire life. If you want a genuine candidate, this is your guy. And I feel, felt the same way about Elizabeth Warren up until this last thing. And I'm not really ready to throw her under the bus, but I would very much like my confusion to be fixed. Something crazy about Bernie here. He has raised... $34.5 $34.5 million in the fourth quarter. Remember, Pete Buttigieg had about 16. The- $34.5 million. And what makes that so incredible is that it's all small donations. It's not, it's individual donors. I think the max donation is like $1,000. It's incredible. And he did it at having a heart attack on the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when people have health issues on the campaign trail, that's the end of their campaign. Oh. Immediately after he had the heart attack, his donations went through the roof. His People support him. He's, yeah. yeah. And how many pictures have you seen of Bernie riding like coach on a plane? He is comfortable with the people that he's running for. All right, so so we might not have time to cover this. We, in fact, probably definitely don't have time to cover this. But if Bernie said that about Elizabeth Warren, and we assumed that that is true, what does that mean? What does that imply that the American people will think about that? What does that imply that you'll personally think about that? If Bernie came out and said, yeah, I said that, would you would you say, I can't vote for Bernie anymore? Man, I would be, it would be so weird because it would be against everything he said for the last several decades. Yeah. Like he's right. been all about equality. He's been like about it, equality. And because of that track record, it might actually be a little bit easier to maybe sweep it under the rug and say, maybe it was some sort of slip of tongue or she didn't understand what he meant or there's context that we're not understanding. And look at his track record. I I still believe that Bernie is a good man and not a sexist. Yeah, it would be kind of easy because of that track record. I, think he, I, I don't believe that he said it, but I'm also asserting that if he did say it, like, <laughs> yeah. what does that mean about I, his? I think my reaction, my reaction to that would be a boho wool. It doesn't. It wouldn't make. It wouldn't make any <laughs> sense. All right, guys. This is going to wrap it up. This is going to be the end of our episode. I promise you, we're going to talk well, more about Bernie and all the candidates. Oh my gosh! Later. Yeah. Uh, are there more debates 
Yeah, there's, there's more debates. Let's maybe we should live stream a debate yeah. at some point, like we're gonna do with the uh, the State of the Union. Yeah, we should make live streaming the State of the Union annual. Yeah, State of the Union. Ooh, sure. Yeah, State of the Union. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Beat a Dead Source, and I really need to come up with a catchphrase. I guess that is your catchphrase now. Yeah, I think that's the joke. Yeah, guys, it's a joke. All right, love you, bye. So, bye. So I really do believe that like infinite power corrupts infinitely yeah. because any time I've been given any small, <laughs> tiny measure of power, it's gone immediately to my head.